So welcome to the Love Fly podcast with Paul Tizard, Fear Flying Coach. And today's guest is a friend, a co-founder, John Bond. Welcome, John. Thank you. I've heard you call me lots and lots of other things too. Yeah, I'm just being polite because you know it's like you know it's a podcast. So welcome. So we we thought it's been long overdue since we've told your story about how you're linked into Love Fly and also you're off on an adventure soon as well. So where do you want to start, mate? Well, I guess if we start at kind of chronologically, we'll get to the the trip and everything towards the end. I think. So I'm not sure what people are going to be interested about specifically. I, I think some of the things... Very little. In, very, yeah, very. <laughs> yeah, about us, yeah. <laughs> so we met, I was thinking about this the other day, we met in 1987, can you believe? Jeez. And uh, we, which some of the listeners weren't even born then. Exactly. Probably most of them. <laughs> and... Uh, and we continued. We you know, that was in the military. We worked together in a department store in uh, London, and then uh, I went off on my travels, and you went off on your excursions with uh, Virgin at the time. And then we would meet up and we would travel together, and uh, it was absolutely fantastic. And sadly, that came to an end because of nine eleven, because Virgin no longer flew to um, Toronto. By that time, I was living in Toronto, but we obviously kept in touch. We're obviously uh, firm friends and uh, and co-conspirators in some ways. And <laughs> well, we always kind of wanted to carry on working because we'd done so many jobs together. And I think back on it, you've skipped over a few. So we so we went from the military. You worked at Harrods, as you mentioned. The I don't know if you were deliberately not trying to say who they were. You know, something no, a little was... bit of name dropping. Just maybe you've forgotten who it's that time. <laughs> and then one of the weird things was that. We seem to, aside from sort of like being able to do trips together, before all that, we even did some film extra work together, didn't we? And I think you went off and did your own stuff as well. Yeah, Yeah. that's it. And then uh, when you then buggered off to Toronto, and I had a couple of other jobs before, but then doing the cabin crew thing, you were able to come away with me. Uh, which was brilliant, and then you were, then you also used some of the the trips yourself because the concessions were amazing, and you were you were a person that's going to take advantage of that, which is always good. Yeah. And we always kind of had this thing like you know we'll end up working together in some way again at some point. We just didn't know how, and here we are back working with Lovefly, and so which I think, and the reason that I wanted that was that because one of the things that when I first met you back in 87, as you reminded us in Germany, I was struck by your kind of, aside from your personal qualities, which there aren't that too many to list, to be honest, but uh, <laughs> you, you had this ability to, you just were sort of in command. I remember sort of, you were sort of holding court. We had to do some really crappy jobs and I just, I, you're very proactive, can do. There's just something, I just thought this, this guy sort of like really got got himself sorted out. And I just, I remember liking you straight away, you know, and I thought, so it didn't surprise me that we're still mates now, even though you've tried to move to countries, I managed to track you down. It's, it's not been enough, <laughs> but yeah. And I just thought 
there's something about the way that you operate and you know having been done those big cheese jobs like head of security in different places i just think it was it would be really helpful to have someone like you who does the stuff that i'm rubbish at and i think that's the great thing about the love fly group is there's there's lots of people involved in it but we all kind of do different things there's a little bit of overlap of course but so i just thought it'd be perfect for this so although it's kind of early days on the love love fly journey i still think that it'll be it'll be brilliant having your skills as well aside from you being a mate but that just that's it now is that enough of that i think so yeah (laughs) enough. um yeah i i think for me i think it was um I was thinking about this. I think it was Gita who asked me or or talked about doing a podcast with us together and wanting to know my love fly story. And I was quite surprised because I wasn't sure I had a love fly story. I Mm. I was kind of a story, do I? And I think for for me, doing all the different security jobs and running teams, and I worked in hotels and a children's hospital and an art gallery, amongst a variety of other things, but but they were the later ones in my career. When I no longer did that, very soon afterwards, I I discovered that I was missing something. And it wasn't the salary. It wasn't, you know, um, the title. It wasn't anything like, like that. I was suddenly aware that I missed being able to help people. And, and I hadn't, I must have noticed it when I was doing it, but it wasn't mm. in the forefront. It was almost there was always too many things going yeah. on, and the helping people was kind of wrapped up in the latest disaster kind of thing that we were dealing with. Yeah, because um, I think one of the things that people might misunderstand, and I think this is an interesting thingy. I don't know what the word is paradox. Perhaps that's the word. I don't know. Is that the jobs that you've done? You wouldn't necessarily at first glance go think that's about helping people. You know, like so. You know, the military police in the army and then the various security jobs where you're head of security you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily think well, that's about helping you'd think it's about enforcing but i think very much you've always found that it is a way that you've got some power and then you've always used it well well i think i i think it was a little bit selfish as well on my part because i always felt that I, I always did the job completely differently to anybody else. The way you're supposed to do it, I, I couldn't do it. It was impossible for me to do it. And and the the way I did it was it was it was through relationships with people. Mm. And one of my staff said to me one day, How come with all the things, all the meetings you've got, they're back to back, they're this, you always find time. If someone comes in and they have a question, you always find time for them. Yeah. And I said, Well, if it's important to them. It has to be important to me. And that relationship I build by making mm. the, the thing that's important to them important to me will help me down the road when I need help. You know, when something's gone wrong and we need an elevator switched off quickly, the guy I helped will have the key and he'll just do it for me because yeah. it's the thing to do, right? So so it really, I felt that it was the relationships were what built your ability to, to um, do a good job. And I always used to talk about the, the, the people who actually run an organization. And, and the people who actually run an organization do not have the big titles. They're the people sitting in offices who have been there for 20 or 30 years and who know the unofficial connections. And they're able to get something done in a quarter or a fraction of the time yeah. that 
the board or the CEO or the VPs can because they all need mm. committee meetings. And the people who are actually doing it can just do it. They can just make it happen. Yeah. So I always develop those relationships. And then the other side of that, the, the the job that I was most proud of was was working in the children's hospital. And, and that was where my kind of philosophy came from, where you think of people in a certain way to start off. So yeah. it doesn't matter how they've approached you. It doesn't matter what they've said or what they've posted maybe or whatever you think of them as people who are in a difficult situation. They're mm. desperately looking for help. And they may have misspoke. They may have said a naughty word. Oh, dear. You know, we've all said naughty words. So what? And But if, if you take what they're trying to say, the importance of that, filter out all the stuff that's totally irrelevant, and then deal with that, then you start in a place where you're looking to help them and mm. they feel like they're being helped. And that immediately de-escalates. Oh, was that it? Was that the end of the sentence? That was it, that was it, yeah. <laughs> it was so good, I just stopped it. You just stopped, quit while you ahead. Okay. So then, so roll forward then. Love Fly, you felt like you, that there was a bit of a gap that you weren't helping people so much. And, so Gita said, you need to tell your love life story. So you have to do that because, you know, that's what Gita wants. So you have to deliver. Well, it was it was kind of a like most of the things I've done. There's a there's a, um, a song that Billy Connolly plays on his banjo called The Way the Gypsies Go. And when he introduces it, he says it's kind of like his life. And I've always felt it's kind of like my life. I've never really had much of a plan. I've looked at things that I've enjoyed and I've believed in, and that's the thing that's gravitated me. And um, and so I'd seen you or, or talked to you about uh, your previous your work with Fearful Flyers, but I never really understood it. You know, it was it, it was a part of a conversation we had that maybe yeah, I understand it either. I was hoping you'd give me some clarity, <laughs> but it was like fifteen minutes of a five hour chat together kind of yeah. and then it was only when we were talking about this when we were together before the pandemic and we said maybe there's an opportunity to do something and maybe there's mm. an opportunity to do something in Canada to do something in the UK and to do something in the US and yeah. we had kind of these large scope ideas without mm. really knowing how we would actually get to do that and we set up a company in in Canada and then, as if by magic, the pandemic hit. So, <laughs> so that was kind of the end, that was the end of that. Yeah. yeah. And I remember us chatting on uh, on uh, FaceTime and talking about it. And, and, and we kind of came to the conclusion that it might actually be a good thing because it mm. might narrow our scope and force us to, to focus on a few things. Uh, and one of the things we decided to focus on was a Facebook group. And we said, maybe the way to do this is to build up a base of people. And then the ideas will come from those people. And with your experience, we'll be able to make it actually into something, be able to mold the two things together. And I think that's what we did. And um, and as I kind of became more and more involved with the, the Facebook page, I suddenly felt like, and not particularly me was helping people, but mm. it was that I was part of something that was very obviously helping people. 
And even if we had no idea why on some on, on some occasions, there was people who said, ah, when you said this, that's when it connected me. Or when you mentioned that, mm. that's when I knew that I'd be able to do it. And, and it was fascinating for me on one level because I love the part, part of my job in security was, was getting people to do what I needed them to do when they didn't want to do it. And that's all about figuring out how you speak and the words you use and the manipulation of language to get them to calm down mm. and realize, okay, I'm going to do what this guy says. And, and it was that side that fascinated me that, that it was different words that would just connect, that would just go straight through and bang. And it's almost, it's almost to me like they talk about alcoholics and drug addicts who have a moment of clarity. And a moment of clarity is a thing. Mm. And, and it isn't any one thing. It isn't, you can't use, I can't use my moment of clarity with you because it probably won't work. It yes. could be, you know, waking up on the, on the floor in the morning with a, four cans of dog food around you and a spoon in your hand, right? And thinking, oh, uh oh, that's it. That's enough for me. I need mm. to do something. And I think mm. the, the people who are frightened of flying are very similar in the, in, in the sense that, they have a eureka moment and there's no one going to know what that moment is going to be. They're not going to know what it's going to be. Yeah. And I think what the Facebook group is, is it provides this, and I've talked about this before, it, it, it provides this buffet approach, mm. right? You know, together with the podcasts where we get everybody in who has a voice, who has something to say, who has a skill or experience or knowledge that might help someone. Yeah. And then we just lay it all on the table and everyone comes in and picks what they want. And the thing that works for them, it works for them. That's fantastic. We don't question it. We don't worry about it. We say that was fantastic. Mm. And let's move forward. And that's, that's, I think, what I kind of got from the, the company and the group was the fact that I felt I was part of something that was really and truly helping people. Yeah, yeah. It definitely does do that. I mean, you've you've turned into an active contributor on there now. I've noticed that, and you've also, you poor sod, uh, you've been through all the podcasts. Now you've known me for years, and that must be torture. You don't have to listen. You you move to you try to move countries, and now you listen to a podcast. I actually, I I was how it came about to a certain extent was. Again, it was the Facebook group teaching me what I needed to do. So people would ask questions, or oh, which podcast is whatever, mm. which which podcast is flying at night, and which podcast yeah. is whatever. And yes, you can go into the podcast and scroll down and all that sort of thing. But what I started to do, and I've almost finished it, is write a little blurb, yeah, and so that I could kind of figure out what it was really simply. And just go into my own list. I wouldn't have to go into a, a podcast site or anything like that. Yeah. Just go in and bang and away we went. So, so that was the the uh, instigator of, of doing it. And then because I was trying to get somewhat fit for this trip I'm doing, I was doing a lot of walking. And so I was doing a lot of walking. I would put my headphones on and off I go. And mm. if I was lucky, I could get two or three podcasts in one session. Probably two, probably two and a half in, in, in one session, depending on the podcasts. And and they all 
it, it, it was interesting because I didn't obviously remember everything everybody said, but every single one of them had a line or a quote or a phrase that would stick out. And it was those things that I thought that may be the thing, that may be the hook that, mm. that pulls someone in and gives them a little bit of a foundation beneath yes. their feet mm. to be able to move forward. So, uh, so yeah, and, and, it's, and it's amazing that there's such a variety of approaches. Mm. And, and the other thing is that, that I really enjoy is nobody puts any other person down or, or system or book or, yeah. or therapy. You know, very often people are saying, well, we do this and we don't really know why it works, but, but it does, right? And, and there's, a, there's a humble part to it where the people on the podcast are very much out to help people as well. Yeah. And I think that comes through. And again, mm -hmm. just like the Facebook group, that's the same thing. It's, it's people going, wow, you know, this, you know, this guy has got all these people from all these different companies who are all providing different services, but he gives them a, 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 a platform for, you know, to get their information out. Why would he do that? Well, the simple answer is because he wants to help people. And that's the, the whole goal. Who is this person? I don't know. I've never met him. Now, you've known me too long to come out, start dishing out compliments like that. I'm going to be cringing inside. I'll, have to, I'll edit all that out. Just go back to the bit and, and edit in where you call me a knobhead. <laughs> I mean, I've genuinely wanted it to be, certainly when I first started it, I, th I thought it's got to make some money at some point, but it felt more like an experiment. So certainly after 20 odd years of running the other courses and it wasn't that it was all about profit because it wasn't, because that's not enough to sustain anything, you know, yeah. and yeah. it didn't make tons and tons of money. It made more money. It does now, but that's all right. But, so, but this has been a really interesting experiment just to sort of see like, could it be grown organically? So before the Virgin contract last November, I was thinking, you know, what could we do if we just, do some good stuff and also i felt like there's so much stuff that's out there that's free anyway and it's all just available it'd be why not just have it all sort of come in through you know not say i'm trying to sort of like control the world but just that a place where you can get reliable stuff yeah yeah and that was that was the goal really because i just thought now the reality is people can you can google everything there's nothing that you can't find out if you want yeah. to but just to try and make it so that it was like a bit lighthearted, uh, you know, not too serious and stuff, because there's a lot of stuff out there, which is a bit heavy. And uh, and I always thought people who are scared of flying, that there's nothing wrong with them. They're just, you know, they might have other stuff as well. But when it comes to fear of flying, it's just, you get into some bad habits, you repeat them and they become entrenched, you know, and that to a greater or lesser degree. And I, and I just thought if something, if there was something I wanted to change a habit, then I would go I'd go about it in a very pragmatic way and I'd just chip away at it and and then want to start looking into the research. That's exactly the right thing to do. You know, that's the thing that sustains change. It's not like a seven or a 28-day diet is okay. It's a good start, it's a good catalyst. But actually, you need to just keep doing something and keep just going, you know. And that's why I was thinking of all those courses that are around the one-day sort of one-stop shop was really powerful catalyst for people and don't get me wrong I think you know we'll probably do something like that again but 
you've got to have other stuff as well. And and people yeah. might find things, you know, and I've done no problems with recommending somebody else because quite often people in the past would say, yeah, we wanted to come on your course, but the date was wrong or the airport was wrong. You were running out. And so the, we have, we went on this other one. So, so it made me realize that actually it's about the right place at the right time. And provided you do a good job, they'll come. And if it doesn't work for them, they'll go somewhere else. And that's just the way it goes, isn't it? You know? Yeah, and I think, and I think the difference between, you're absolutely right. You can, we can go. Am I? Yeah, you are. <laughs> first time ever. Permission to take the rest of the day off. <laughs> We've uh, you, you can Google anything you want, but I think the thing that makes the connection is the trust of the person who's giving the information. And people are trusting you on the podcast, so they're trusting the people on the podcast. And they're also trusting the fact that they can make contact with those people Mm. without feeling like they're being pressured into anything, you know, because many, many of the people say, well, you can just ask them, you know, maybe it won't work for you. And if I don't think it will work for you, I'll, I'll tell you it won't work for you, you know? And, and I think that's the, that's the approach in a, in a world where everyone's trying to sell you something. You know, they always used to say in sales, well, you sell yourself. And I think that's very true, but you can either sell yourself genuinely almost by accident which is what I think we do, <laughs> or you can sell yourself with a definite goal to getting something from by putting on a persona. And obviously we're not intelligent or good enough actors to put on a persona. So, so, yes. <laughs> so yeah. So again, I, I, again, I think it's the, I think it's the connection thing that makes the difference. Mm. Right? It really does bring people together and allow people the place where they can try things or they can talk about things. You know, they yeah. can, and, and, and again, going back to it and talk about things, sometimes using the wrong words and sometimes misspeaking and sometimes mm. not realizing what they're saying for how someone else might perceive it. But if, if, if we take it that everyone's genuinely either needs help or is trying to give help, then we can move off from there and there's no need for anyone to you know be concerned about it. Yeah, that's good. That's, that's a good point. Something I thought about as you were saying that was that quite a lot of the people who will say, you know, the nervous flyers or previous nervous flyers would say, I love the pilot podcast or the crew or the technical yeah. things. And for me, they're not my favorite podcasts. My favorite ones are the stories because I'm really interested and I've learned so much from doing the podcast, more than I learned in 20 odd years of running courses with hundreds, thousands of people on, you know, every mm -hmm. year. Although I kind of spotted the patterns, which are enough to do that audio book, but actually talking to people and kind of going, well, what did you do and how did you get over it? I've learned so much that way. I don't know about you, but it's just people's stories are just brilliant, aren't they? Well, it is, it's, it is fascinating how people can have the same or very similar fear. Mm. But when you look at the people themselves, they're vastly different. On, on probably almost everything you could ask them a question about. Uh, you know, their likes, their dislikes, um, um, the type of clothes they like, type of music they like, movies they like. They're, they're vastly, vastly different, but they're joined together by this one thing. But how they get to this fear is also totally different. 
And and for me, that's what is absolutely fascinating mm. because you we tend to pigeonhole people. You know, this person is good at that. You know, you, if an actor's good, then he must be a good cook. Or you know, it's all these weird things that we associate together that mean nothing whatsoever. But when you actually listen to people honestly talking about things, it it is fascinating how we are we can be so alike, but get there in completely different routes and for completely different reasons. And, mm. and that absolutely fascinates me. Yeah, I'm, you know, I've been impressed, actually, because you've, like, soaked up all these podcasts and, and doing the little notes and things. I think that's going to be really ha handy when we put that on the Facebook group or wherever we put it. But I'm, I suppose I'm interested what... Because you... I, I guess you've never had a fear of flying. I'm guessing. I don't know. Actually, I've never asked, actually asked you. I've, I've never had a fear of flying, but I did mention on the Facebook page, uh, I went to Iceland right after the pandemic. I think it was, I think it was last year, maybe, mm. maybe the year before. No, I think it, I think it was, I think it was 2021. I think I'd have to, I'd have to look. And, uh, I did the ring road tour, eight days, you know, traveling around. Absolutely fantastic. It's like different planets, not even different countries. It's like different planets all in one in Ireland. And um, but I booked it. I had no not a care in the world. I had nothing at all. And a couple of days before, and, and it was still when the rules were for Canadian Airlines, you had to wear a mask at all times on the on the flight. Yeah, and, and they were they were very very strict. You, know, you couldn't mm. say, "I'm eating a sandwich, holding a sandwich in your hand, but with no mask for an hour and a half." Right? You, you had to take a bite and put it on, and all this. And and I'd I'd had no problem wearing the you know the mask either. And uh, but I started to have an amount of trepidation, like thoughts. Just like, well, suppose I get on the plane and, you know, the mask's on and, you know, when it gets hot sometimes and yeah, I'm going to yeah. get hot. And, that's, and it, wasn't, um, it wasn't anything about danger. It was just how I would feel, mm. right? And, and also because I think I hadn't flown for quite a while. And because uh, it's hard to fly from the sofa to the kitchen to get a glass of water, which is what we were doing for, you know, a year and a half or whatever. And... Um, and of course, when I got there, I got caught up in all the, you know, checking in and getting your snacks and doing all that. And the, the flight was fantastic. Coming back, I never even thought about it. I never, never mm. even crossed my mind. And, mm. and that was fine. But the thing that, that did connect me wasn't necessarily the fear of flying. But it was that during the pandemic, I, I'd had some um, chest pains and stuff. Right. And they finally, they finally diagnosed that I had high blood pressure. And mm. there's nothing wrong with my heart. There's nothing wrong with anything. It's just I have high blood pressure and I haven't done anything about it. And, uh, and they gave me some medication. And the medication had some kind of adverse effect. I think the blood pressure itself had had an adverse effect, first of all. And then the yeah. medication had an yeah. adverse effect. And I found myself having panic attacks for the first time in my life. And... And I'd never understood what a panic attack was. I no, I just didn't understand mm. at all. Once I had it, it was like having like a uh, stowaway inside your own head, right? Because I can remember lying in bed, absolutely terrified, like literally absolutely terrified. And at the same time, saying to myself in my head, what are you terrified about? You're lying in bed. Like, this is ridiculous. Mm. But 
the other side of me was absolutely terrified, right? Yeah. And, and this went on for maybe a couple of weeks until I managed to sort the medication out and, and got it all sorted out, and it's totally fine now. And I would sleep with the iPad playing music from a, a was Pink Floyd music from a concert very, very low. And it was just low enough that I could hear it, but I almost had to listen to hear it. And somehow that managed to to keep me less panicked, mm. shall we mm. say. And so having gone through that... How does that work good. then? How did you even work out that that might help? I There was two things that helped. There, there was two things that helped. One was to walk. Mm. And I listened. that was probably the start during the pandemic when I started to walk seriously. And I found once I got outside, with no podcast or nothing, just, just walking, once I got outside, the physical act of walking I was mm. in charge of. Yeah. I was in charge of walking. So my the thing in my head, I could kind of somehow say to myself, well, you're not in charge because I'm walking and you want me to be panicked. Well, I'm not panicked walking. And mm. so I kind of set myself up against each other somehow. And the, the, um, the music was just an idea that we all have those moments in the quiet moments in our lives where our thoughts take over. And I thought, well, if that's true, let's not have a quiet moment. And I just put it on yeah. and it played the whole night. But in the morning I got on and it, I, I got up and it was still still playing. Mm. And once I fell asleep, there was no nightmares. There was no night terrors. There was nothing like yeah. that. Mm. It was just the, the medication did something to my brain chemistry. You mm. know? And there was even things where there was thoughts like, well, I can't live like this. Which, which isn't a suicidal thought, but it's a thought, I can't live like this, yeah, right? Yeah. And so that's another reason why I have the, the greatest respect for people and, and think people who are going through fears and phobias and panic and anxiety are the strongest people in the world. Mm. Right? Because you can't be strong if something isn't bothering you. If something's not bothering you, there's no reason to be strong. There's yeah. no reason to be brave. There's no reason to have yeah. courage. But when you're absolutely terrified, but you're still trying and you're mm. still putting one foot in front of you, each other, regardless of whether a couple of times you take a few steps back or something goes wrong or whatever, you're still stronger than almost anyone else if it's in a plane sitting around you. Because if yes. they're sitting there just enjoying their snack and watching the movie and not bothered in the slightest – there's no reason for them to be brave or strong, mm. right? So that's why I have a, the greatest respect. And I actually feel kind of a little bit bad that it took something to happen to me to make me have any real understanding of it. Yeah. And I know that's common, but it's still you wish you were better than that kind of thing. And, and it's just interesting when something happens and it's like a light bulb flash going off and you go, oh, my God, this is what mm. it means, right? So, Well, I think it's... That makes sense. I mean, I've never, I've never had fear of flying in that sense. I've had a few moments where I've thought, "What was that?" And but no, I can correct it. And when I had a couple of things that got on my, I got slightly obsessed about landing in the wet. I was thinking, "Why is that not a problem?" You know, I, I just got obsessed with it. You know, and so I just asked one of the pilots and said, "Why is it not a problem?" He said, "Well, we." We break the surface of the rain so we can make contact straight away because we don't want to be sliding anywhere. And obviously you've got to think of the weight of us 
when we land. <laughs> That's a lot of weight plonking down. Yeah. That's just me and, and you. And I said, yeah, and I said, yeah, but why didn't it just like skid off? And he said, well, you imagine you got you're going at 150 or whatever landing speed, you and you in a big thing with everything pointing the same way. Why would it skid off? You know, we're not yeah. going to do it. I was like, oh, yeah, split makes sense. So that was just a little thing of mine. I thought, oh, okay. So once I got that, then I stopped thinking about it, you know. So sometimes it just helps. But I've never had the fear of flying really properly. So I've often felt like a bit of a fake because my thing has been, you know, I've been a coach for, for as long as I can remember and just about helping people to overcome stuff. And that was what I applied to it. And I was thinking, well, if if this was a person coming to me and they were struggling to do something, anything else, how would I deal with them? How would I help them? You know, I'd say, let's break it down. Where are you trying to get to? What have you done already? What's working? What's not working? Let's put some baby steps in place and and just hold each other to account. And, and that seems to work for behavioral change. So I thought, why wouldn't it work for fear of flying? You know, so rather than putting it up on a pedestal going, yes, but that's different. I figured that and whether you are born with a fear of flying or not, it seems to be a bit of a moot point for some people, but I don't think you are because, uh, you know, you just, you might not like it when you might, but you learn fear from the surroundings. And if the surroundings are safe, so you, whoever's with you at the time when you first fly makes it feel like safe and you wouldn't think it was anything else, you know? And so, and if you did have a trigger, then you, as long as someone can help you with that at the time, it's unlikely to take hold. But even if it did take hold, it's still learned. Yeah. So it's, I think it's, well, if something's learned, so if I learn anything, why couldn't I learn something else? Yeah. So that, so I've kept a very, very simple approach to it. It's always made me feel like a bit of a fake, which is why I get lots of guests on who do know what they're talking about <laughs> and get away with it. <laughs> Ask them a question, but, shut up. But I think, I think in many situations, the, the simplest answer is, is, is very often the correct answer. I know when I used to work in security, I'm, we went through all sorts of different incidents and events and whatever. And, and a lot of them, you didn't have any time to think. You had to make a decision and move on. And if it was right, it was right. If it was, if you, if it was, if it was the right decision in the moment, mm. but it proved to be the wrong decision three hours later, well, that was tough. We're working on a moment-to-moment -moment basis. But when we did have a few minutes to actually think about something, one of the things I would always do is I would, whoever we were with, regardless of what level they were, I would say, tell me what tell me what we're missing. And it didn't matter where you were in the organizational structure, I would point. You could own the building, you could be the CEO, you could be the janitor, you could be a nurse, you could be a doctor. It didn't matter to me. You've got a different perspective. Mm. And Right now, I need as much perspectives as I, as I can because I'm making decisions on the fly here. There's no way in the world I can know everything. Yeah. And I think that's very similar to what we're doing with the, you know, with the podcasts and everything is we're saying, here's a whole load of stuff from a whole load of different perspectives. Mm. Right? And if the ones connect with you, then, then great. You know, that's what we want. Yeah. So, you, so, so on the subject of podcasts, as you've listened to them all, what – what would you say some of the, the sort of the key bits of learning that it, it's created for you or the bits that have stood out or anything really? And well, make that answer about 10 minutes so I don't have to speak for a while. <laughs> there's, I, I do like, there was, I mean, I've mentioned before on, on the on the Facebook page, different ones I liked. I, I loved Gita's because it was just a delight. 
it was someone who obviously loves life, is very joyful as a person, fantastically skilled. I mean, the, I, I, I don't know what instrument she played, but to travel around the world doing concerts, you have to be pretty good at doing that. And then to have something potentially come into your life and stop you or potentially mm. stop you from having that joy or having as much of the delight or maybe impact your career. There aren't, I mean, it was a challenge for her because there aren't that many world-class level, you know, gazoo players. So it completely exactly. stuffed her stuffed exactly. career, you know. It's, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult. <laughs> so, so the, um, so it was that, the, the whole delight and joy of it, for me, got that one. I liked uh, Captain Ron because it's a cliche, but he was down to earth, right? He was just an ordinary guy who happened to fly a plane, right? And the way he spoke about it, it he didn't make it dramatic. It, it wasn't anything like that. I, I loved Pete Higgins' one because he has the same sense of humour as me. And I'm not someone who laughs out loud. And when I listen to that podcast on my walk, I think people thought I was having some kind of medical issue because every every few steps I'd just be guffawing out loud and, uh, and I just thought that was fantastic. I'll have to cut out some of it because it's just I'm sure, yes. I'm sure. He, he is, yeah, he's got some stories, that guy. You got you spend some time with him, you'll see. Yeah, yeah. And and I but I I, I kind of put them in two different categories. I, I I put them into the category of professional experience and knowledge, which would be the pilots, the crew, air traffic control, um, some of the association people who were on, and the people who deal with um, therapies and all that kind of thing. I put them into one category. And then the other category is the people who've worked on their fear and are all at different stages, right? And, and maybe no one's cured and maybe there's no such thing as being cured. But, but they're all feeling far more positive and moving forward to, to, uh, to get to where they want to get to, but not forgetting the people that are still behind and willing to do the podcast sometimes two or three times, willing to you know, spend the time to invest it in people going through what they did go through. And I think those two sections pretty much cover everyone who comes into the podcast because, because whichever side you want some people will say well you know i don't want to listen to a pilot because he can fly the plane of course he's not scared right i want to listen to the person who's scared right and i want to know what they did because i'm the person who's scared if i want to know how to fly a plane I'll, I'll ask a pilot but i don't right and other people like michael um talone was it he he's very much I need to know how things work. I want to understand how it works. And that gives me the confidence to be able to, to fight my fear. So those two two segments of, of people on the podcast, I think, kind of cover all our bases. Yeah, I agree. People have been so generous with their time. And, and I'm still chasing down a few others, you know, because they'll some people come forward and say, yes, yes, I'd love to do it. And then, you know, they don't appear for whatever reason. So I, I but I like a good mix of sort of th those two camps is exactly how I see it. Yeah. And there's a, still a few more technical people I want to get in. So I always kind of, each time I think, well, I've had, you know, we've, I've covered most of the things that people ask about from a pilot's perspective, as far as I know. Some things, you know, you could always go a bit more deep, a bit more deeply yeah. on things. But I think generally, the, the broad, broadly speaking, the main bits are covered. Yeah. But there's other I, stuff. But I love I people's think, stories. But I want more stories. That's what I like. Yeah. I, I I think maybe another um, 
avenue that, 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 that we could do with podcasts is to have more of have a few people who have a fear of flying on together but have a pilot or a crew member so just one person and they get to ask whatever they want just like michael and and uh, and uh, steve did right i thought that was really good because every time steve gave an answer michael was like oh yeah well hang on a minute right and he and he'd go back at him and it was just and steve was just like yeah well, that's a great one but it's it's this oh what about that well well that's this and, and the way it was just dealt with, it was a completely uh, natural interaction. And I think that would be good for people as well. And I also, in relation to people not coming on, what I'd like to see is people doing the before and afters. But I think it's very, very difficult for someone facing a fear to come on as the before when they're saying they're going to conquer it. But now the pressure is sitting there. Um, suppose I don't conquer it. Suppose it doesn't happen. Suppose I, suppose I, suppose I. And uh, No, I think to... you're right. Again, I want to get I want to get some of those on. I want some people who are not, you know, have done nothing. They're literally turning up and they're going, yeah. they're, they're, I don't know anything, I haven't listened to anything. I want yeah. some of them on because I think they'll be really interesting to see their journey. Well, we could we could entitle those podcasts the what ifs. Yeah. Because it this, what if that, what if whatever, and we've all done that. I, I did that my first ever traffic accident in in Germany. I went to, and we were going to it, and I was the junior guy, and I the entire journey. What if, what if, what if, what if, and the guy was like, "We don't know. We haven't got there yet. Could you just relax, right?" Then they turned us round because they said, "Oh well, there's there's no uh, military involvement in the traffic accident. Fantastic. We got about." two miles back towards where we were going and they turned us around and sent us back to the traffic accident because it was a military train. And I was like, I've never done a traffic accident with a military train. I did vehicles. Uh, what do you mean it's a train? And, uh, you know, totally panic stuck. And, and, uh, and of course you just went and you dealt with it. Right. But what, but you had to get there to get into it, to kind of calm yourself down. So yeah, I'm just gutted. I was thinking about the Michael Talone thing, and I thought that was a good episode. But I had something recently, and I thought I said after that, I wish I'd recorded that because I was doing an element. You know, we do the premium thing where you you get a bit more intensive. So it's a 30 day program, but you get some yeah. coaching throughout it with me or Steve or anyone. And uh, we had this one section, which, but because they were private, I couldn't do it. Uh, but it was two hours of them literally bombarding Steve with question after question. It, it was brilliant. And there were some questions I was like, oh, I want to see how he deals with that one. I was just, you know, and well, I, I, think that, I think that would be fantastic. I think, yeah, I, think I wish I'd could recorded someone's... it, but I should have asked. I didn't yeah, think at I, the time. I didn't know it was going to be so good, you know. No, but in, I think in the future we can try and get people in just to, just to do that, right, and say this is what we want to do and, and whatever, right? So... Yeah, I think that one of my goals is there's somebody in the group that I've, I've reached out to just to say, look, I know you're struggling a lot. I want you to come on the podcast, you know, but they, they're, they're, I'm in an hour at the moment because they're there at that beginning stage. Yeah, yeah. And I, but I think that's that's real and it's normal. We're not promising that it's all going to be magic by the end of it, but just to get sort of a real person that people can relate to. And, you know, and, and sometimes they might say things that, are, that you hadn't thought about yet. I was all right till he said that. But that's the point, you know, that's that's why you need to get it all out there, don't you? So that happens in the group I, I, I as well. I think maybe with the people who are, are at that early stage and don't not really sure about doing it, 
one of the ways we could maybe approach it with them is to say, come and do it, but we will not do anything with it until you do the second one, right? And, and then we won't put them back to back. We'll put yours out and then we'll wait a, a few weeks and then we'll put the next one out, right? And so they essentially get editorial control. If, if they say, I never want this to be public, we'll say, fine, we won't do it, right? So, uh, so there are there are ways around it, just like the same as recording it and and you know putting the images on on YouTube. Many people won't want to do that, but some people might, you know. So, yeah, you're right. So, couple so, things. You've got a trip coming up. Tell us about that. Well, and uh, you know, yeah. So, because hopefully we'll be able to track you when you're doing your trip. Maybe I'll share some stuff on the Instagram at Lovefly Help and also on the Facebook, the Lovefly Facebook group. And um, yeah, we want to hear about that. And then I've got another question for you after that, which you'll know what it is if you've been absorbing the podcast. You know what my last question is already. So tell us about your trip. So 47 days, eight flights, two suspension bridges, just for those people who don't like heights. Three multi-day treks, one over eight days, 136 kilometers, one over four to five days, 58 kilometers, and another one over four days, 74 kilometers. So I'm going on March the 7th. I fly out from Toronto to via um, Brazil to Argentina. I have a, I think it's four or five days in Argentina, in uh, Buenos Aires. I then fly down south into Argentinian Patagonia to a place called El Calafate. A couple of days there, go and see the Puerto Marino Glacier, uh, one of the few glaciers that's sustaining itself and not decreasing. Then uh, up to a place called El Chalton, which is where Mount Fitzroy is. Um, five or six days there, it's essentially a backpacking town. So uh, mm. just literally go out every day and you backpack. So a lot, a lot of multi-day, or sorry, a lot of uh, single-day trekking. Yeah. And then back to El Calafate, again, the, 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 this bit's all on a bus. Then across into Chile to a place called Porto Natales, and then into the uh, Torres del Pañé National Park to do the O-Trek, which is an eight-day trek. Uh, only 80 people are allowed on it at any one time. You have to do it anti-clockwise. You have to book campsites all the way around and you have to pay to get in. And if you haven't done any of those things, you don't get in. Wow. So um, then back to Porto Natalis and then um, through a somewhat precarious organizational skill, I've managed to somehow have five flights between Porto Natalis, Santiago, Lima and Cusco, but I only need three. So, so two are, two are in the process of being cancelled, hopefully, and, and one's in the process of being changed to the right day because it all, it all got a little bit confusing at one point. Mm. But essentially, I spent one day in Santiago in Chile and then I fly to Lima in Peru, straight through to Cusco. And Cusco is the base to do a trek to Chococuru, which is uh, ruins that's bigger than Machu Picchu, but they've only cleared 40% of it. The only way you can get there is to walk. So it's two days in, a day there, two days out. And very often you can be the only person there because there's no Amazing. other way to get in. I'm spending all in all um, just over three weeks in Cusco uh, with that trek. And then I'm doing the Salcante 
track, which is over the mountains. It's the sister track to the Inca Trail. And uh, you track uh, for four days over the, um, the pass there. And then you end up at uh, Aguas Caliente, which is also called Machu Picchu Pueblo. And the next day I go to Machu Picchu and then come back down, jump on the train and back to Cusco. And then while I'm in Cusco, I'm doing a whole load of day treks to different ruins and different salt, salt mm. flats and plains mm. and all these other things. And then I fly back. I go from um, Cusco to Lima, spend a night in Lima, and then from Lima to via Bogota, back to Toronto. Wow. So, yes. My so, head's uh, spinning just hearing it. The fact that you just rattled that all off, unless you've got something behind the screen there, with it all lit. No, the, 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 the bit that I, the first bit I said was written down about the suspension bridges, <laughs> but I've been so involved in it for so long. It's a bit like yes. the podcast. It just sticks, yeah. right? Things stick yeah. kind of yeah. thing. So, uh, yeah, Amazing. so it was... It was purely it was purely a trip that was born initially back in 2018. And I was looking for things to distract me from things that were going on. And uh, and then I did the Iceland trip. And then this just continued on. And uh, mm. I started to find places and was like, okay, well, I wouldn't mind trying that. And I wouldn't mind trying this. And to kind of connect it back to something someone posted just before we came on, it was about life being too short yeah, and, uh, and about you never know what's going to happen. And to be perfectly honest, I, I don't know if I can walk 136 kilometers in eight days. Right? I've, I've never actually done it. Right? Mm. And, uh, and I don't know if I can get the elevation you need to go over the Selkante Pass. I don't know what the weather's going to be like. I, you know, I honestly don't know. But it's one of those things where I'd really like to try. And yeah. whatever I do, I can go, yes, I did it. And whatever mm. I don't do, I can say, well, I tried. Yes. Right? And yeah. uh, so there's, there's no real, there's no real lose. It's, it's, it's a win-win, mm. you know? So. Uh, that sounds amazing. I mean, we're looking forward to that. I mean, obviously by the time this goes out, you've already left, but yeah, yes. that's the <laughs> so, yes. hope the flight was okay. No, it was fantastic. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so we'll try and talk about that in the right tense next time. No, we worry. It is the way it is. So yeah, you'll probably go out. You'll, I think you'll just have gone on your flight when we when this goes live. So it's going to be really good timing for that. And then right. we'll, hopefully we'll be able to follow you through the the um, Facebook group and perhaps on Instagram as well for those. Yeah, who, yeah, we've arranged to somehow get. I haven't got service everywhere I go. Like there's mm. no internet in the old track or cell service and that sort of stuff. Yeah. But but there is consistently as I move around, uh, yeah. and I am. I, I do enjoy photography as well, so I will be kind of taking some pictures. And, yeah. and again, we have four samples of merchandise. People have seen two from a recent post, and there's there's two more that we will be making an appearance in, in you're, various you're road situations. Test. You're going to road test them then. <laughs> exactly, yes, yes. I think the Love Fly Bear, as you called it, LFB, yeah. uh, looks like it might have some takers. Yeah. It's not that we don't, we don't want to do this, because people are saying, where's, where's the merch? But yeah. we've we've had a few ideas, and the the challenge has been sort of getting them. So it's we just don't want to charge lots of money for them, and quite a few of yeah. them at the moment have been a bit cheeky with their postage prices. So that's the only reason it's not available yet. But Bondi's going to roll tri road um, trial them, uh, take them out, send us pictures. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Yeah. And yeah, there is a there is a love fly, there's a love fly bear. There's also the potential to have a rabbit. 
What are you talking about? Who wants a rabbit? No one wants a rabbit. I don't know. Some people like rabbits. And then there's two others. I can't think what they are. No, off the top of your head, but no, stick. So, you were, you were on to the right thing with the bear. I think you've deviated now. I don't know what this rabbit deviated. business is too much it? choice. People won't be able to decide. Can't <laughs> compute, can't compute <laughs> the rabbit or the bear. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's that's interesting. There's been no mention of the rabbit today. I don't know where that's come well, from. That's no, just well, I've just you know, it's just research. I've been doing we can get bombarded now with rabbit requests. <laughs> <laughs> Bondy's right. He speaks the truth. Yes. And with Bondy. Yeah. So as we're kind of getting near the sweet spot, the end of the podcast, there's a question I always ask people. And I'm going to ask you because you've come into this, you've absorbed all the podcasts, but also you've got your background as well and our history. What's your advice for people who are kind of listening? You're thinking, here's the stuff I think would really help. Just something bit of bondy wisdom if you like well i i think as people have to choose the content that connects with them right so i i can't really tell people which ones to to choose they have to dip in and see which connects and then go with what connects mm. the, the thing i think may connect with with some people is the stories of the people who've already been there yeah. right and and not even the stories of someone who's already been there who says, wow, I listened to the podcast, they really helped, and then I did A, B, and C, and then I can say that I don't have a fear anymore. This is fantastic. They are great. They're, they're a great inspiration, and they're a great kind of goal to aim for at the end. But I think the ones that are more beneficial to people are the ones that say, I listened to the podcast and then I did A and B and then I got on a flight and, uh, and yeah, it was, it was okay. I was a little bit nervous when they closed the door, but I looked around and I had Pete Higgins checklist with me. So I knew what was going on and that was it. And I even, I even had a snack. And I went to the loo. I went to the toilet. Oh my God, wasn't that fantastic, right? These are big then, things to do though, aren't they? It yeah. is. Yeah. But then they but then they get there. And then we have the post. Oh my God, I am now terrified again. Right? I'd completely forgotten about it. I was on the beach. I was doing all these things with the kids. Yeah. And now I'm flying tomorrow and I'm really having a, a difficult time. And then you get the post where they got home and they say, I don't know what I was even bothered about. It it, I, it was just fantastic. It's the ones who, who have the stutter step. It's the ones who don't sail all the way through. They're the ones I think will really help people because I think that's more of what more people are. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, in, yeah. in life, we can't all be the Olympic athlete who wins the gold. Right, mm. or the person who makes it look so simple. Most of us are, are, are the people just chugging along in the back, That's just right. trying to go from A to B. And I think those podcasts are the ones where, and especially where people didn't believe themselves, they didn't believe they could do it. I, I mm. never, no, me, no, I'd never get in the play. What, that'd be ridiculous, right? And then they do it for whatever reason, and they look back and go, I don't recognize that person anymore. Yeah, right. And I, and I think all of that ties into. Things aren't going to go 100% in the right direction, mm. but don't be part of your own problem. 
like when it doesn't go in the in the right direction, don't jump on the bandwagon and attack yourself. Right? Say no. Okay, I know I've got this far. Now I just need a little bit more work to get a little bit further. And so I think the the podcast where people where it doesn't all go right the first time, mm. that's the ones I would think would help the most people. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think the the bit that I particularly like about that is that it's that, that sort of real life thing, isn't it? And it'd be yeah. great to say, because people used to say when I ran the one day courses, does it work? And I, I'd say, well, it works to whatever level you're at, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, it works if you're ready. The course runs, but really it's that sustained stuff. And it's the sort of like two steps forward, one step back that you're talking about, which is real life. And that, if people just keep moving forward, that's going to be the thing where they'll just, one day, that it'll be a non-event. And right. I, I totally believe, I've seen it so many times now, it's just there isn't a speed, there isn't a timeline. We've said 30-day programme, we've said six months, we've said 66 days, there's all these different bits of ideas and stuff, but actually it seems to be sustained effort, it takes as long as it takes, but it as long as the people don't give up on themselves. And that's why I think you're right. The ones where it's not perfect are actually the best ones because, and that's in the same in the Facebook group. You see those posts, don't you? Yeah. yeah. And especially if you're flying with a love fly rabbit, that's even more helpful. <laughs> right. Can you let go of the rabbit already? You know, nobody wants one, John. It's a, it's a bear or nothing. All right. Thanks, mate. That was really good. Really helpful. And Thank you. Thank you for a good luck on your trip, which you've already left for. I've already left on. I hope that flight was good. It's confusing this. Uh, but yeah, thanks for all you do and just keep doing it and let us, you know, let us know when you're away, all the stuff that you're up to, promoting the Love Fly Bear and uh, all the other the merchandise that you've yet to reveal. <laughs> and come back and tell us all about it, how it went. I will do. Thank you for listening to the Love Fly podcast. And if you want to find out about more that we do, please go to our website, lovefly.co.uk, and you'll see a list of other options available to you should you need them. Thanks for listening.